This is Monster of the Week. I'm Jeremy Greer. It's with Chris and Jeremy. I'm Chris Mosier. We just saw Lucifer rise. Is that Gandhi? Dude, he's squirrely. It's time for season five. This is Monster of the Week, a creepy but necessary podcast where we cover every single episode of the TV show Supernatural. Oh man, Chris, we're back. Another another great two back. episodes. How are you tonight? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty uh, riled up. I am too. Some of the inside jokes that me and my friend Jeremy have been having together. <laughs> we've been uh, we've been chatting for a while. We had a business phone call. I just wanted to. Uh, we're not going to talk about those business deets yet. We're not gonna, we're not going to put that out there. <laughs> but we had a business phone call. This was our first official like have a conversation on behalf of the podcast, right? Like, that was the first time that that's mm-hmm. ever happened. So I'm Yeah, I'm and that was excited. me telling my dad that I have a super... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was me and Chris. We were on a conference call with, with Chris's dad, Gary. <laughs> like, Mr. Mr. Gary, I'm Jeremy. Hi, nice to meet you. I'm Chris's partner. Not that way. <laughs> we're, we're podcast partners. Um, so yeah, we've, we've been recording a while. We're probably going to be a little goofy. Uh, before we get into the road so far, Chris, do you want? do you have something to say to us? Yeah, I want to thank everybody for um, helping us reach our first Patreon goal. Uh, if you're interested in, in any of that stuff, uh, you can check it out at patreon.com slash monster of the week. We're not going to bore you with it, but thanks everybody who's um, who's donated so far. We love you. Yeah, that first goal is a uh, early feed. So if you want to get these episodes early, then that's the place to go. Um, part of that Patreon, we're going to have everybody at a certain tier. We're going to say thank you to them on the podcast. So I'm going to say thank you to Trond and Lachiel. And uh, if you were interested in knowing more about Trond, he was in a Don't Give Up Skeleton episode about two weeks ago. I think episode 86. So go check that out at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. Okay. Some some cross-promotional. Cross-promotional stuff right there. That's what I'm into. Um, So, Chris, why don't you uh, catch us up on the road so far? Okay, so it turns out that um, I wrote it this time. (laughs) All right. uh, Road so far. Good, good, good. Okay. So, during four really strong, really heavy, and especially hunky episodes to start off Season 5, the boys fought the Horseman War, they've trapped an Archangel, they've time-traveled, or one of them did, uh, they've broken up, gotten back together, and Sam and Dean also found out that they were the vessels for Lucifer and Michael. All in a day's work for our hunks. That's a lot of stuff. To- we're on Episode 5, right? And they've already, is, they've already done be- all of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we talked a lot about like Season, uh, season 4 being like a real uh, bullet train with, as far as like plot. Cause they hit us with so much stuff so fast. This seems like it's even more like I can't, I forgot that there were monster of the week episodes in season five because everything has been so closely tied to the main mythology. Yeah. Um, and this is, this is kind of a break from that. And uh, I think these episodes are pretty light for the most part. There are a few things. They're pretty light um, with less to discuss than usual, but they're still like really fun, enjoyable episodes of, supernatural um which can't go wrong with those i think they are appropriately timed as well we, we had a complaint uh back in season four where they just took a break for a little while and there were three like monster of the week episodes the middle of the season and uh it felt like it was it it tanked the momentum of that season right like even though those episodes were good it didn't feel like it like it it just it just kind of i was like wait a minute what's happening these episodes don't quite do that for me. Like, I don't know if it's just because we've we've dialed our coverage back down to two episodes as, as opposed to three, 
or or what, but like I feel like we kind of needed a breather from all of the over emotional yeah. heavy stuff at this point because it feels th- th- these two episodes feel earned and they're still very good. One of them has fucking mm-hmm. Paris Hilton in it, Chris, and it's still right. good. Like that's amazing. And <laughs> I guess to to get just into Fallen Idols, we can read the description in a, in a minute, but like it's coming off of everything from last episode. Like the reason that we're having this one off goofy little hunt, not goofy, but is is because of everything that happened before. You know, the boys had their actual, their breakup, as we keep joking about, um, but they were separated. They weren't working together anymore, and they didn't know that they could work together anymore. You know, their their differences seemed like they had become too great. Um, but now this is their chance to, to come back together and, and, and start slow, as they say together. So they, like, work in the fact that the boys are just working a random hunt yep. uh, into into the, the, the plot. Like, it makes sense for this to be happening where it's happening. Well, let's get into it, because that's literally part of, the, I think, the, one of the first things that happened in the episode. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, as mentioned, our first episode we're going to cover today is Fallen Idols. is written by Julie Siege and directed by James L. Conway. Aired October 8th, 2009. Citizens of a small town are being killed by dead icons, such as... Abraham Lincoln, a.k.a. Slaberham Lincoln, am I right, Chris? And by infamous objects (laughs) like James Dean's car. Later, two teens claim a friend was kidnapped by Paris Hilton. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, this is a a really interesting episode. Uh, It's it's straight up Monster of the Week. So, like, we're going to have very few connections to our our Lucifer and Michael plot. Um, It starts out with kind of a a typical setup, too. Two dudes are looking at a car that one of them have bought. Um, They're obviously... Extremely big car enthusiast. This this car is the little bastard. Uh, does Dad's Diary have anything on the little bastard? Do you know anything about this? Was there a little <laughs> bastard <laughs> story in, in your hometown? Like there usually is. <laughs> hey, I haven't done that since like season two. Okay, I know. I'm bringing uh, it back. <laughs> that's just James Dean's car, right? He yeah. says, googling furiously. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Dean explains in the episode that there's like anybody associated with this car has weird accidents and dies, um, and which is exactly what happens in this thing. Like, um, is this the one that he died in, James Dean? Yes. Okay, I, I said that very confidently for somebody that has no idea if that's actually true or not. Yeah, Chris is Chris is just putting all this together. Uh. <laughs> the. Uh, the one weird thing to me about this scene is that the uh, the guy gets into this car to crank it, and he's waiting on his friend to crank, which I totally understand. Um, yeah, you got to wait for your buddy to crank before you can, you know, help you do anything. That sounds not like what we're talking about at all. Like, but, but if you have a shared passion with your friends, and like, like okay, I'm going to wait for you to get over here before we start this movie, or before we, you know, crank this car, or whatever your whatever your hobby is, before we um, unsheathe this sword, because I know I know some people among us are sword enthusiasts now. Um, but then the guy goes into his, into his buddy's house to grab his buddy's video camera so that he can document this whole thing, which seems really weird to me. Mm-hmm. Are you still researching little bastard right now, Chris? Oh no. So I said, mm-hmm. I, was, I didn't think you were done talking. Cut it, edit, edit it out. <laughs> no, no, I'm not editing shit. No, no, no. We're, we're going to get into it. Yeah. I just think it's kind of weird that he, and, I, and it's going to set up later so that the boys can, can see the video to see exactly what happened. Um, and they're going to make a funny joke out of it, but it's just, it's just an odd thing to do. I thought. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of odd things going on with these guys, but you know, that's true. Uh, we do get a very gruesome view of this dude's whose face is just halfway into this windshield uh like the the amount of force involved and it sounds we don't see it happen the sounds from the other room as this guy's going to get the video camera um is like the car revved up and then crashed and this dude's face is just slammed into that windshield it sounds like a full-on car crash not like an accident you know not an accident in your garage 
Exactly. It sounds like that dude was going 70 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, this dude gets it all in video because it's supernatural. And then we go to our uh, main part of the episode, which, as we've talked about earlier, Sam is literally asking Dean, why are we doing this on behalf of the audience? Yeah. <laughs> like, just in case the audience was curious about this weird-ass thing after um, all of the crazy revelations of the first four episodes, Dean explains, like, hey, we got to get back to our roots. We got to figure out how to work together again. We have to be a team. We have to, you know, we have to do like let's let's practice on this one. This should be a cakewalk. Let's do this, and so we mm-hmm. can get our our stuff back together. And uh, and Sam is kind of arguing against this at first. I guess he's not arguing, but he's you can tell he's like you know still in full apocalypse mode. Um, but but Dean like gets through to him. And he's like, we need a fresh start, like a real fresh start. We need training wheels. We need to to do this again. And for once, and it feels like for the first time this season, and for the first time since, like, I don't, I, literally season three, maybe, where they feel like they're on the same page, like, completely. Um, you know, I don't know how long this feeling is going to last, but when Sam is just like, okay, yeah, all right, let's do this. Um, it feel it feels good. I don't know how, again, I don't know how long it lasts even through this episode, but it feels good for, like, that moment. They're like, okay, we're going to try and get back to where we were. Um. Because as much as the boys are in the Impala sitting next to each other in every episode, for the most part, they haven't been, like, bros for a while. Yeah, there's been there's been a lot of things between them, whether it is mostly just Sam. Mostly just Sam's bullshit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not really. Not, not, like not the, really. The, the, not, I mean, I'm, I'm right. being flippant, but yeah, not really. But they, you're, you're absolutely right. Like, they haven't been a team. Um, they Dean even goes out of his way to say, like, you know, uh, we need training wheels. And Sam's like, I, you're saying I need training wheels? He's like, no, man. Like, we need training wheels Sam's like, together. Dean, I know how to ride a bike. What, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Dean is like, oh my god, this idiot. That's I can't believe for degrees, really. <laughs> Man, he dudes is off demon blood for five hours. Now he's the most literal person in the world. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's here as we're going through the credits. If you're an observant person, uh, I always look for. I don't know if you do this, Chris, but I always look for the special guest stars after like most of the credits go by because that's yeah, when you're going to yeah, see yeah. Your, your your Jeffrey Dean Morgans or your uh, Mark Pellegrinos or that, those kind of things. And uh, boy, was I surprised to see special guest star Paris Hilton at this point of the episode because <laughs> there was, again, watching it as the episodes are coming out, like I had no idea. I don't read the TV guide descriptions like we do at the beginning of the episode. I had no idea that and I was like, are you are you serious right now? And uh, yeah, this was uh, quite the surprise. The first quite time the I surprise. Um, but we're not going to meet her for a while. So let's, let's, let's hang out for a while and, uh, let's go meet the sheriff who is the yeah. worst sheriff that we've ever seen on the show, which is extremely impressive. It's hard. It's hard to, to take that title, but he, he claims it with ease. Yeah. He shows this video that, uh, again, this guy's the, the, the victim's friend recorded and all of these people have names and none of them matter by the way. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to go out of my way to learn the names. Yeah. Um, but the, and he says like, oh yeah, the sick, the sick bastard, you know, he filmed his own, he filmed himself killing his own friend and Sam and Dean are watching this video, which definitely does not show that whatsoever. In fact, shows maybe the complete opposite and are like, are yeah. you, are you serious? And the sheriff says this line, which he's going to keep going with throughout the episode is whatever it looks like, it probably is like, and I was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I heard that, I was like, no wonder the police in the United States are so bad at this stuff. <laughs> like, if this is the baseline, whatever it looks like, it probably is. Ugh. Ugh. Jeez. I wrote down in, in this in this part, part, very important detail, thank God, the boys are back in town. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, the boys are back in town. Um, they, they go off to interview the, the camera guy who uh, explains that it was the curse 
And uh, I like this just because this scene because Dean gets to nerd out for a little bit. So he tells it yeah, the nurse it's... that it was the, the curse of the little bastard. And it's, you know, and, and Dean's just starts, oh my God, that's James Dean's car. And, and Sam almost said, Chris, Jesus Christ, I, I have just basically condensed you and Sam into the same person now. You really blurred lines. <laughs> um, Sam is like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, this it's it's usually the other way around, but it's good old fashioned Dean nerd stuff. And so is this when they go and they investigate the the accident scene? The garage, I guess. Yeah, they go. They go check out the car. Uh, Dean explains all the history of this thing, and I just wrote down Dean explains the lore in my notes because I figured that you would have already have all this looked up, but apparently the, not. The car lore. <laughs> the car lore. Yeah, um, but it, it doesn't matter because like the car kills people. That's really all you need to know. Um, yeah. Dean is extremely impressed by this car. He's he's kind of got his 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 little car hard on thing happening, but he has to check the engine number. And uh, we get this like strangely comedic scene of Dean being yeah. terrified to go under this car. Uh, and it's like, apparently all he's doing is going to look at the engine number. And to me, it's, cause it's, ju- it's a cursed car. That's like trying to kill people. I mean, I get it, but, but like think- he goes under the thing and he spends like five minutes doing everything, but writing down the engine number. And then he etches the engine number, which seems really <laughs> fucking weird to me. Dean's is just, he's a sucker for drama. You know, he's just, he's trying to build that tension, trying to make Sam feel for him out there. Listeners, if if you're a car enthusiast out there and um, you actually have to etch engine numbers down to be able to get them and compare them to something, just just get at me. Let me know. I'm just curious if that happens. <laughs> that seems ridiculous, but maybe it's maybe it's true. This uh, scene though, like it, it it just illustrates how funny season five is. I feel like there's something funny in every single episode. Supernatural's always had like funny, quippy writing, but they just like they're like, hey, you know who's really funny? Jensen Ackles. You know who's really funny? Jared Padalecki. Let's just keep having them do funny shit. Like Dean, Dean is best in these situations where he's like in over his head, but he has his, his still bravado thing. Like, oh yeah, well I gotta check out this sweet car, but also I'm afraid that it's gonna crush me because of this curse. Um, Sam is usually best when he's like an uncomfortable stick in the mud. Um, when other people are making Sam feel awkward, even though he's a giant. Um, they do that stuff. It feels like every other scene in this episode just like drive home the, the humor. Absolutely. And, and, and Jensen sells this, right? Like he comes out of this car having etched the number down on a piece of paper, like feeling thoroughly spooked and tells Sam, Hey, okay, now it's your turn. You have to go do all the research and determine if this is a real engine or not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we, we, the next scene is Sam, like going through all of this, this research and calls Dean who of course is at the bar, like being a sleazebag. And I, I wish the writers would get a handle on exactly how they want Dean to be because like, at this point in the story, Dean doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would pretend to be a movie producer to pick up a bartender at a, right. At a bar, right? See, that part of it is weird because they could have just played this off so well for Dean because as we learn later in the episode, Dean kind of actually doesn't want to be around Sam yet. Like, he he just wants to go to the bar and, like, take a load off and not deal with his brother and all that bullshit, um, despite the fact that they're supposed to be having a fresh start. Um and you could easily, they could have easily played it that way, but Dean doesn't let that on, and then we just see him hitting on the, the waitress anyway. Um, but it, it kind of almost is a, if they didn't have the part of him hitting on the waitress, just a, him still putting on that front to Sam. To still be like, oh, well, I'm gonna let you do the, do the homework while I go out and drink, because that's, I'm cool Dean, but it's really just, again, him burying an issue that he doesn't want to deal with. Yep. I just, I just wish it wasn't, Act, actively lying to the chick to get her into bed with him, right? Like yeah. he could, like yeah. he's a handsome dude. He could just be like, "Hey, I'm Dean." <laughs> like mm-hmm. he doesn't need to say, "Like, hey, I'm movie producer Dean." 
Does Dean even sleep with any of these people, or does he just like getting their numbers? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Most of the time, we, we, we do not see him close the deal, so, yeah. He goes back to his motel room with his brother, so... True. <laughs> well, let's not, let's not get into there. Let's not, let's not feed that, that particular fire. Oh, okay, okay. So, I think it's around here, this is like the quarter of the way into the episode, where we get Vic number two. A man mm-hmm. killed by Abraham Lincoln. Slaberham Lincoln, am I right, Chris? Yeah. Oh, I wasn't I wasn't quite sure it landed the first time, but you definitely stuck yeah, it I, this time. The second time I think is really I mean, honestly, when it comes back in for the third, I think that's where really people people are really going to laugh. Can't wait. <laughs> I just assumed you didn't hear me the first time and that's why you didn't laugh at my joke. Well that's that's my method, you're right. It's, I know I can't I just, blame I'm, you there. I learned it from watching you, Chris. Yes, this dude um, is just chilling out, and uh, Abraham Lincoln out of nowhere just pops up and just like fucking murders this guy, <laughs> which is which is yeah. really weird. Uh, I love this next scene where the the sheriff because he is convinced. And the, on my first time watching it, by the way, I immediately pegged the sheriff, and I think they do this on purpose. Like I immediately thought, like, oh, the sheriff is definitely on this in on this because he seemed like a. Um, like a marginally better actor than most other extras are. Like he seemed like pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, this yeah. dude has got to be involved in one. That's why he's being so stupid. But he's convinced that a trained killer has come in here and killed this person. And oh, left right. No evidence whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, because there's no gunshot wound, despite the the man or he, the man died of a gunshot wound to the head. But there's no gunpowder. Uh, there's no bullet. There's no gun left behind or anything like that. So yeah, he thinks it's some pro killer assassin. <laughs> Because, you know, whatever it looks like, it probably is. It probably is. Um, I mean, that makes more sense to a cop than being like, but what if it's a ghost? <laughs> like, because <laughs> it is if, a ghost or whatever. But what if but it's like, Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> I mean, come on. But what if it's Abraham Lincoln? Um, what's even funnier in, in, in a weirder way is Sam then trying to speak Spanish in the next scene. Ooh, yeah, they're interviewing the maid, and uh, she's, uh, you know, stereotypically only only speaks Spanish. Um, despite the fact, I didn't actually see where they were in this episode. Like, are they supposed to be in, like, L.A. or something? Is that part of this? I have no idea, actually. We probably should know, but, like, I'm not paying attention to where the hunks are at. Yeah. I'm just paying I'm attention a- to the hunks. And the, um... The wiki has no information on this whatsoever, so... <laughs> I just. I, I wonder. Guess. I wonder if every episode even says where they are, because there's so many times where I can think of like, oh yeah, that says they're here. Even when I'm not paying attention to it, I, I recognize it being there. Um, but I have no memory of this whatsoever. So I, I wonder if every episode is given a location, even maybe not like on the screen, but maybe they'll say it. Maybe they say where they're going. Yeah, that's, it feels that's like what, it's probably part of their thing. That's that's what I was thinking too. I guess we should probably because the the wiki used to have like every episode on a map, like where you could just click on the map and find out where where mm-hmm. they've been. Um, man, that would be a cool animated map, by the way. If to start from episode one and just draw out the path of every single town that they care, oh, that yeah. they show up in, just see how much how often they crisscross, and then have it branch when the boys leave each other. Right? That'd be cool. How many times? How many times would they go back to Bobby's house? <laughs> <laughs> just ping pongs back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, they they interrogate this poor woman and uh, find out that it was like she's like you know basically doing expressions of like it's a giant hat, you English speaking motherfuckers. And yeah, mm-hmm. Sam has just enough Spanish from Smanford to you to uh, figure out that hey, it's she's actually talking about Abraham Lincoln. So that's pretty funny. Yeah, um, and then there's just time for for more research. 
Um, yeah. So Dean finds in the he's reviewing the video and he sees a um, in, like in like a reflection of a reflection. He sees like a guy that kind of looks like James Dean, and he's like, because he's wearing like the typical James Dean jacket or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. For younger listeners, we are definitely talking about James Dean, the movie actor, and not James Dean, the porn star. So please stop it, Jeremy. What? I needed to clarify for our <laughs> listeners. What? They have the same name, oh. Chris. It could be confusing. I guess you're right. He's got his own little bastard, doesn't he? Anyway. Um, <laughs> so Sam figures out somehow, I, I don't quite remember how, but they both figure out that, um, oh yeah, both of these people liked, uh, um, or no, it's he finds out that there's a, a local wax museum. Um, that is that has wax figures of both Abraham Lincoln and James Dean. So they go and interrogate mm-hmm. the owner. And from here on out, it's I haven't seen the movie House of Wax, but I think it's just the movie House <laughs> of Wax, right? It's not, but like, yeah, it is. Um, they figure out that they have actual uh, artifacts from these people. They have James Dean's keychain. Uh, they have Gandhi's glasses. They have Abraham Lincoln's hat, I believe. Um, they're like tourist attractions, like, oh, come see this this real thing from the real person. Um, but Sam and Dean count those as remains. Like those are those are things that they think could link uh the spirit to this plane of existence or whatever. However they discuss things in Supernatural. Um so I think that what their plan is immediately to just like, all right, well we'll just come back after dark and uh burn all this shit, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna break into this dude's place of business and burn all of the things that make him money. Or in this case, don't make him money because there's 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 several minutes devoted to uh making fun of this guy because he's like, Whoa, this is our busy time and they're like, looking around and the place is empty. And then yeah. um him complaining that all of the kids using are, are using um computer games and cell phones and sex scene and all that stuff. Yeah. And he's, yeah. And he's gonna make wax museums cool again. <laughs> <laughs> There's a thing in the in the next episode as well that like mentions like kids and their cell phones. I'm like, wow, one of the writers was really rallying against the kids on this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, man! <sighs> but they um they have uh they realize that it's all fans of the person being mm-hmm. killed, yeah. the famous ghosts, and they're they're killing their fans. And I like the <laughs> fact that they have a conversation about famous ghosts. They're like, how has it taken us this long? To, to come up with a famous ghost of all the things that we've hunted, you know, of all the hunters we've worked with, why, why has nobody ever fought, you know, Elvis's ghost or something? Because I would assume that, um, John Winchester has killed Elvis's ghost in uh, one of the mm-hmm. prequel books that we're going to get to eventually. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> uh, they, they go back, they kind of split up at this point for some reason and they, they don't really kind of detail why, but, um, Dean goes back to the uh, hotel room and he's having a conversation and, that Sam kind of walks in on accidentally and he's basically dissing Sam to to whoever's on the other line, which is I presume yeah. to be Bobby of like, hey, you know, um, you know, it's it's just been crazy since this apocalypse started, you know, but we all know whose fault that is or anything. And Sam yeah. is like, hey, are you gonna? Am I just gonna sit here and pretend that I didn't hear that? And I love Dean's reaction of like, you can do whatever the hell you want to, man. I don't care. Yeah, this is kind of a. This is like a shitty moment, and it's a it's a good moment, but it's a shitty moment in that like you realize that Dean was kind of like whatever, dude. Like it, this is only going to go so far. Like yeah, we can work together. It's probably like the best for like stopping the apocalypse. But mm-hmm. I mean, come on, man. Like you fucked up, and and we're all dealing with the consequences. It's just it doesn't seem necessarily like Dean to just be talking shit about Sam behind his back. Um, not sure that would be his move, but I get that they needed something like relatively innocuous for Sam to walk in on. 
Um, it's not some major secret. It's just him talking shit to Bobby. Um, and, and that's all it is. And, and Sam says, what happens to, a f- what happened to a fresh start? Um, and Dean is like, this is as fresh as it's going to get my dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, take what you can get. You started the apocalypse. <laughs> like this was, yeah. this is on you and I'm still kind of mad at you about it. Despite the fact that we've had some, some heart to hearts on it. Um, but they don't let this get in the way. Like, and that, this is one of the things that the episode really succeeds on is, um, they're, they're kind of barreling us through the story, this very monster of the week plot. And then giving us these glimpses into the overall meta plot, they given us these glimpses into the relationship between these two brothers and how it interacts like with their day to day. Like they're on a hunt together. Presumably they should be completely focused and prepared and, you know, just extremely focused on the hunt itself because this is dangerous shit. Like they don't, they don't have no idea what it is at this point. They think it's a ghost, which they don't, they're not real worried about ghosts, but who knows what it could be. So having these interpersonal relationships kind of like, scrape at each other while they should be focused on this hunt, I think it's something really interesting. And I, I like that they do yeah. it. And I like that they're able to, like, when they're together, they still work so quickly, and, like, they figure things out so quickly. Um, you can tell, like, the major shit is good. Like, these issues are going to hold them back when, when shit hits the fan. Like, they need to be on the same page all the time for shit to work. But it just shows how good they are as hunters, and how quick they are, like, thinking on the... It's like thinking with two halves of the same brain. When they're working together, they figure shit out quickly. Um, but that's only going to go so far when shit hits the fan. Yeah, exactly. And that's again, I, I just find all this stuff good. Like this is this is this is good work, mm-hmm. writers. Good job if you're if you're listening. Yeah. I don't know why you're listening to a podcast about your own po- on TV show, but that definitely is something that <laughs> my conceited ass would do. So <laughs> I'm into it. Good job. Uh, they go back to the museum so they can burn all this shit down. And uh, there's a bunch of kind of spooky back and forth. Sam like gets real close to the Abraham Lincoln wax statue, which is kind of a good, you know, just a good, just a good picture. Like the, those two dudes looking like they're about to kiss. Um, when he gets jumped by <laughs> Gandhi <laughs> and yeah. Gandhi beating Sam Winchester's ass because Gandhi is extremely small and basically like crawling all over, uh, Sam, like he's a fucking howler monkey, uh, is just incredibly a fun visual. Like he's just, yeah. and he is beating Sam's ass too. <laughs> yeah. And then Dean luckily saves the day, right? Um, he breaks in and makes a quip about Gandhi and then burns the glasses and they burn everything and Gandhi just disappears. Yeah. He disappears super fast. And the next day, we we think it's done at this point. Like, he burned the glasses, Gandhi disappears. The next day, we see Dean just packing up all of his shit, but Sam is a little bothered. He's like, you know, it kind of felt during that fight like Gandhi was going to eat me. Which is weird, because Gandhi was a fruitinarian. Fruitarian. Fruitarian. There you <laughs> yeah. go. I mispronounced that. And uh, Dean thinks this is the funniest shit in the world, because... Part of part of the way that these people get these these idols are attacking um, their victims is because you have a little bit of a hero worship built in, right? Like mm-hmm. the guy that wanted James Dean's car was really looking up to James Dean. The the, the dude that was, you know, that dude was writing a biography about uh, Abraham Lincoln, and apparently Sam is extremely into Gandhi. Yeah, which is kind of surprising considering Gandhi didn't stop the apocalypse. But I've heard that he has his uh, dark sides too. So sure, I mean he was busy. <laughs> And he was yeah, for sure busy. For sure busy. Yeah, I was tied up. I had I had a meeting. <laughs> Just want to hear the phone call, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry. This sounds like a U.S. apocalypse more than it is a Gandhi apocalypse. I think I'm just gonna hang yeah, out over sorry, here. Guys. Yeah, yeah. I think we're, um, we're good here. 
I don't particularly like Dean ragging on Gandhi so much, though, by the way. Like, I get it. I just it's, don't like it. Yeah. They still were trying to figure out Dean's whole masculinity complex thing, and, you know. Yeah. I'm not dogging the dude at all. Like, I, I totally see it, and I, 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 I get it where it works as a character. I'm just, like, kind of rolling my eyes at being like, oh, he's a fruitarian. <laughs> okay. It's like... That's I mean, I th- not cool. I mean, I, I think it's dumb, too, but, like, I'm not going to rag on anybody about it, so... <laughs> Um, this is where they have their big heart to heart, right? I think so. I think that this is, yeah, Sam kind of being like, dude, you can't treat me like your little brother. So Sam is just like, this is not going to work. Like us, you and I, Dean, but we are not going to work the way that we are right now. Uh, I have a few choice Sam Winchester quotes, I believe. Uh, some from Dean as well. Uh, but Sam says, you're never going to punish me as much as I'm punishing myself. Uh, and before, the way that they were before, that didn't work. Uh, he says, before it didn't work, how do you think we got here? One of the reasons I went off with Ruby was to get away from you. It made me feel strong, like I wasn't your kid brother. Uh, we have to do it different. Uh, you're going to have to let me grow up. And it's like, I even it's just a fan of the show, it sucks to hear. Not sucks, but like, you know, when you're emotionally invested to say like, hear Sam just say, I didn't want to be around you, Dean. Um, but I think it, it's kind of necessary character growth for Sam to start saying stuff like this to talk about not his inferiority complex but that it is in some ways what it is mm-hmm. um, where he still looks up to his big brother but he also wants to be better than his big brother it's just the way that he is it's the way a lot of people are you just want to be good you want to be the best version of what the thing that you're doing um, and being so close to Dean obviously put him under a lot of like pressure on himself um, so he went off with Ruby because he thought well I'm going to be a better hunter than Dean now because I have these psychic powers. Uh, and he said as much throughout season four, how he was stronger than him. Uh, and as much as Sam has apologized for what he did starting the apocalypse and like, you know, all that shit, he hasn't really owned up to so much of it just yet. And this is like the first step in that saying like, you know, it was more than just this, this freak addiction thing inside me that I'm blaming everything on. Also, it was my relationship with you and my pride, and my desire to be strong. Like, I'm, I'm glad that he takes this, this moment, at least, to, to say something, to own up for, for more than he has before. And I think it's important to, to stress that I wanted to be stronger than you think, because it's not necessarily... It, I mean, it's, it's, it's important to remember that Dean was the chosen one as far as Daddy Winchester was concerned, right? Like, he, mm-hmm. Dean was, was the older brother in just about every sense of the term. And that to Sam, especially getting back into the life after he was at Smanford for a little while, getting back into this and still not being good enough to be on the same equal footing, like always being the 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 one that was trailing a little bit behind either John or Bobby or Dean or Ellen or whoever, always being that person that's a step behind is has to be extremely frustrating. And so the first chance that he had to go, they've kind of written him wings, that way too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think this is a good moment. Like, this is a good culmination of, of his character development over the last five seasons to say, to, to be, to have this conversation with Dean. What do you think about season one? How many times Dean is just at the last second for, for the action of the episode, just coming in to save Sam? Uh, it happens a lot. Every once in a while, Sam saves, saves Dean too, but it feels like it's majority like the other way around. Um, and I don't know if it's just a response to that. You know, they take things as they naturally come, or if it's something that they planned, whatever. But it, like, it makes sense. Um, it sucks that it, it took starting the apocalypse for Sam to kind of come to terms with it, but, like, it makes sense as a character point. 
luckily, all of this is interrupted by a phone call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're in the middle of this heated conversation, uh, and then the sheriff calls, and there's been there's been something that weird has happened. And uh, this time, the sheriff can't come up with anything. the The two girls that he had that have come to the police station say that their friend has been abducted by none other than Paris Hilton. So Sam was right. Killing the, the Gandhi didn't actually actually uh, kill whatever it is. So this isn't a ghost, right? Like this has got to mm-hmm. be something else. Um, Sam goes to the morgue to investigate the latest victim. And, uh, there's a scene I've never done an autopsy. (laughs) I have Uh never opened a body up. I've, uh, I think I even somehow bypassed like the frog thing that everyone does in biology, right? Like, I don't think I ever did that in high school. (laughs) So I've, I have never like, I don't know how hard it is to like force your hand into a human body dead or alive and pull seeds out, which is what he's, he's going to do. Um, but yo, Chris, this dude's veins, like he is in there. He's got some fucking muscles working in there. He's what I wrote. I wrote down sideburns and arm veins. Yeah. Sam cuts into a corpse at the morgue. That's (laughs) sideburns and arm veins is the latest, my chemical romance album after their reunion tour, 2017. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, his 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 veins be popping, man. Like they are they're going all out and he is he is, you know, elbow deep in this in this body. Have we mentioned enough how uh gigantically swole this dude's been getting season 5? <laughs> when you look at like when I Ooh. I was looking at a uh, uh, pictures from the most recent season where Jared Padalecki is just like a tall slender man. Mm-hmm. Uh he's a he's a father. He's a busy guy. He's not gigantic anymore. And then you look at season five and it's like, he's a fucking linebacker. Yeah. Dude is a brick of meat. It's insane. He, I'm not going to say that dude was, was having hormone treatments. I'm just saying that he was, he was murdering hobos <laughs> for their hormones and then taking them to grow his muscles. <laughs> Cause he has, yeah. that's some HGH shit right there. If I've ever seen it. And it's, it's fine. I don't care. <clears throat> um, but like, it's just, man, those veins are popping when he's digging in this body and it's, it's super gross. And for some reason they, they really lean to the, to the grossness of this episode. Uh, like they, there's all kinds of, of, of nice squishing, like <laughs> noises as he's like digging through this thing, but it's successful. He finds these seeds, which he tells Dean, uh, I, these seeds are unlike any that I've seen before, which amuses Dean highly. And also me, cause that's a real funny sentence <laughs> to make. Yeah. Um, but he tracks this to a pagan god um, that's from Germany, maybe? I don't quite Russia, remember. Russia, maybe? Russia? Um, yeah. It's a leshy. It's called a it's leshy. It's a leshy. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe the word is Russian, but um, I don't know if that's that's entirely accurate. I'm looking at, at it's a the deity of the force in Slavic mythology. Um, okay, so. I'm, Slavic, I'm just yeah. looking through some some of Dad's journal, and it, there's not a whole lot in here. According to the folklore, the god dwells in, the ki- in this kind of tree. As the lord of woods and hunting, he's equated with the god something or other, which he probably represents a local version. Uh, he is portrayed as an imposing figure with horns over the head. Uh, he can take the shape um, of pretty much any likeness that he wants, etc., etc. Because we're going to see all of that in this episode. We are, we are totally going to see all of this. Um, Had I prepared this lore beforehand, it might have been a little better, but I didn't. <laughs> the the most important thing is that it can be killed by an iron axe, right? Yeah, yes. So and they they supernatural. Yeah, it's supernatural. Don't hey kids, if you're at home, bring like several different types of axes if you're going to go fight a leshy. Don't don't trust the yeah. supernatural or bring a copper axe, bring a uranium axe, bring a oh, steel yeah, axe. Oh yeah, for sure. 
Don't we haven't talked chances. about Stardew. We haven't talked about Stardew Valley on this podcast in a really long time. It's been too long. It's been too long. We gotta get that multiplayer update so we can start going, visiting each other's farms, Chris. For sure, my dude. All right, so uh... they go. They go back to the wax museum this time, armed with the iron wax. They find the kidnapped girl and are trying to free her when Paris Hilton shows up and starts just beating the shit out of Sam and Dean. Chris, I I was very worried about getting to this episode in our in our coverage because. Uh, I'm not like a huge Paris Hilton fan, right? Like I don't, I, for sure. Like I'm not, like I'm not that person that's like real into whatever she's doing. At the time when she was extremely popular, I thought she was kind of eye roll worthy. And you know, fast forward mm-hmm. to 2009, she pops up on my favorite hunk shit cat, Shunkshu, and I'm like, uh, still kind of eye roll worthy. However, watching it again, it's definitely not as bad as it could have been, right? Yeah, I actually, I thought that she was pretty good in this episode. I was really surprised. I was like, oh, all right, like. She's yeah, totally she does. Like, she does a reasonably good job in this. I think there's there's a scene coming up where she's kind of like scraping her nails on like a piece of iron or something and making sparks that I think is pretty dumb. But for the most part, like all of her line delivery and her and her acting is really good. And there's something really satisfying about seeing her just beat the shit out of the Winchesters. And I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to get into like pull out my spine and call me and, and then and kill me or whatever territory. But there is something extremely satisfying about seeing this chick beat up these two hunks. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I was pleasantly surprised by how how good her performance was. I don't want to like overhype it, like yeah. But it, it just was it was enjoyable, and I, it wasn't cheesy. Um, I think that part of that is probably has something to do with the fact that her and Jared had worked together before. And I think from from what I understand, the the supernatural cast and crew is like super good at like welcoming people in. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't make fun of her. They just like I mean they they tease about it, but like it's all it's all good shit. And there's a reference to House of Wax in here coming up, so. Yeah, which I don't like. But anyway, um, I've been really negative in this episode. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm going to try to bring it back. I'm going to try to bring back the positivity. Hey, I'm sorry. It's okay, my dude. Um, so they made a Gilmore Girls reference in, what, season two for Sam. Sure. And then this one, mm-hmm. they're making a uh, House of Wax reference, which is they just keep referencing the shit that Jared's done outside of Supernatural. <laughs> really, really funny. Uh, so, yeah, that's this, this whole scene is basically a bunch of exposition. Uh, Paris... Beats the hell out of Dean and Cat, Cass, excuse me, Dean and Sam, ties them to a tree or holds them telekinetically to a tree or whatever you want to call it. Um, and to, and it kind of I think explains. That she does that. actually tie them. <laughs> does she? Yeah, yeah, because it does show uh, Sam like to get, busting out of his ropes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she, and she explains like she's been hiding over here and kind of taking like and not killing people on a regular basis and feeding herself. She's been taking just taking kind of small bites here and there when she could. Because she didn't want to get caught. But then someone went and triggered the apocalypse. So now she was like, screw it. Time to party. And she's been feasting yeah. all over the place. Uh, this goes on for an absurdly long time. Chris. It does. They really gave her some screen time. <laughs> and they do, like, you mentioned they're not, they didn't make fun of her. And they don't. Uh, but she does get off, like, some of her, like, trademark, like, awesome kind of kind of bullshit. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. I think it works for this because... You get that like clever juxtap- horror juxtaposition of the the really horrible thing and and the guys of something really beautiful and um, plastic, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting to see. I, I'm wondering how much more we see of it in the season. I can't really remember the effects that the apocalypse is having on like other gods and deities, um, because we're dealing with angels and demons, but we know that they're like those aren't the only cosmic forces that are out there. You know, we've we've seen pagan gods before, tree spirits. Like, there's so much more at work in supernatural than just the like typical uh, heaven and hell. 
Um, so it's cool to see that other other spirits or whatever other powerful entities are reacting to the apocalypse um, because fuck it, like it's not their apocalypse, but it's affecting them. Um, it's not something that they go too far into, but it does kind of you know push the world out just a little bit more. And and I like that again tying our monster of the week stuff into what's happening overall in this story. I think is is really good. Um, that, that that all works for me really well. I, I do want to call attention to this scene where. Uh, Dean, I think, finally gets loose and t- makes a dive for the the axe, and or maybe I have this reversed. But then uh, Paris is talking man. about um, Paris is talking about how because um, apparently the axe that he that Dean brought is actually John Winchester's axe, and he, he, he t- she talks about how she's going to assume John oh, Winchester's okay. shape um, because mm-hmm. she knows she can she can feel that Dean idolizes uh, Dean. So, ugh, I can't t- I can't talk today. Dean idolizes John. I just found um, that kind of uh, like an interesting point. It is, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I almost, I almost forgot about that. Uh, Sam idolizes Gandhi. <laughs> Dean idolizes John. It's interesting to see, like, we've we've gone so back and forth on John. Dean has gone so back and forth on John um, since season one that it's it's kind of interesting to see that that's where he is right now. He's still kind of idolizing him, um, even after everything else. Maybe it's like a comfort for Dean. Maybe that's the only thing that he really can hold on to at this point um because sam since season one has sort of just been on john's side like he thinks of john favorably now after everything is said and done but but dean he's kind of more conflicted about it exactly but luckily it's the winchesters so uh as dean is getting uh as sam says wailed on by paris hilton uh sam was able to get loose from his bonds, grab the axe, and then mm-hmm. chop Harris Hilton's head off. And he has yeah. a whole face full of blood to prove that he was d- getting down and dirty. They just went, like, full horror movie in this episode for some reason. Uh, they were like, hey, uh, CW is allowing us uh, X amount of blood shots. Let's just uh, let's get these out of the way. Yeah, yeah, let's just do all this so we don't have to worry about it later. Um, the uh, Is House of Wax this exact same plot? Like, dude, just, like, because when, when I hear that there's a movie called House of Wax, I'm assuming that wax models at a wax museum, like, come alive, and somehow or another like, yeah. there's a group of teens trapped there. So, I, I have actually seen House of Wax. It's been, it's been a long time, and I know that, mm-hmm. I think they get stranded, and they end up going into this wax museum, because it's, like, the only place around, and there is obviously, like, the, the mannequins or the, the wax whatever coming to life. Um, maybe, maybe we'll have to watch it and we can discuss it further. Cause it's been so many years since I've seen it. Uh, but, um, it's, it's different. There's no pagan gods. I don't think there's no pagan God. Are you sure? As far as I'm aware, <laughs> there's no pagan gods, man. I'm looking through some images of house of wax and it's it looks really amazing and, and stupid and great. Uh, friend of the show, uh, Nissa actually recently watched this. She was talking about it on Twitter and said it was surprisingly good. So I'm, I might go check this out just to have some. I think I some... remember liking it, but I was like, you know, 16, 17. So yeah, it was 2005. So you were just about to get your driver's license. We know. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we get a we get a, a wrap up where uh, the sheriff has put out an APB on Paris Hilton, which is very good <laughs> yeah. and funny. I like that a lot. Uh, the the kidnapped chick is going to be totally fine. She's she's all good. Um, and then there's this heart to heart moment between Dean and Sam, where Dean is, basically agrees with what Sam was laying out before they were so rudely interrupted by the rest of the plot of the story, um, which is to say. It's not just Sam's fault that there was an apocalypse. Um, you know, he ha- he played a large part in all of this, and he it wasn't just uh, Sam that was making wrong decisions. It was Dean 
pushing him to make those wrong decisions and that he should have been a better brother. Which yeah. he says, uh, he says, I was so busy watching your every move that I didn't see what it was actually doing to you. you know, he exactly. was just too what busy being line. pissed about it's so it's such a good line. It's such a like a real, it's like such a, a mature thing for Dean to say. It's like after getting busted on the phone where he's like, I don't give a fuck, dude. Like whatever. Uh, he brushes him off. Sam gets mad. He still kind of brushes him off, but then he takes that extra second. I was so busy watching your every move that I didn't see what it was doing to you. Like that is that's that's a great big brother moment. It's this kind of stuff that makes me frustrated that they do the throwaway, uh, pretend to be a movie producer to seduce the bartender thing. Because it just, Mm -hmm. it seems like they're two totally different characters at that point. Like, one is a complete sleazebag, and then the other one is a guy that's dealing with some emotional shit about how his family and his whole world coming apart, and how he he played a part in doing that, and it's like going through those emotions at the same time. It doesn't Mm -hmm. jive with me. I I know it was a throwaway fun moment, I'm not trying to dog the writers or anything, it's just, it's just a, it's a... It's a disconnection for me, is that because we're watching this so closely, right? Like because I'm looking at every single detail of these things as we do this podcast, except for you know the names of the first two victims, which I'm not going to bother to look yeah. up. <laughs> and not that it really justifies it. it. The only thing that really makes sense is if Dean is using you know hitting on people as just a coping mechanism. It's just a a distraction for him, um, which is not necessarily the nicest way to distract yourself, but uh, it is what it is. Um, Sam has, they have, they have their, like, kick-ass brother moment here at the end, where Sam says, we gotta grab onto what's in front of us, kick its ass, and go down fighting. And Dean's response to that is, I can get down with that. And just, yep. the one, the one time in Supernatural, Sam goes, hell yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's, just a, it's just a good bro moment. It's a good moment. I like it. Yeah, like, we're, we've got this plan. It's vague, and it doesn't really mean anything, but we're gonna be there together. And we're gonna, like, and it's our like, plan of, we're gonna, we're gonna attack anything that we, can, we have to. You know, I don't know how long, again, this is going to last. I've seen the season a million times, but and there's always fights with the boys. They go back and forth. It doesn't matter. Right here, it, it felt like, it just felt kick-ass. When Sam goes, hell yeah. <laughs> you know, they're just, they're in it. And then, and then Dean gives him the keys. He's like, here, you drive. I need to take a nap. Like, it feels like after all that shit in season four, we're finally, like, we're finally back t- to square one. We're, we're back where we need to be for the boys to get back where they need to be. Well, I feel like even even beyond that, I don't even feel like we're back at square one in season one. Like, I feel like, and and Sam goes, uh, Sam talked about this in one of these episodes in season five that we've seen so far, of getting to someplace new because what was happening before wasn't working. This feels like the first step upon first step on these two going on a path to actually be brothers and be partners in this life and to actually team up without any kind of bullshit secrets. And I just want to note, like we haven't talked about keeping secrets for a long time. I, I do still have that spreadsheet. I haven't had to update that <laughs> shit. Like they've, they've been doing a really good job of not keeping things from one another because they've been trying to get back in each other's good graces. And I think that's, that's important. Like that's a, that's a, mm-hmm. that's a big thing for these two. Especially, and even a big thing for the writers, they can't just rely on the boys and not telling each other shit time and time again. Um, because that is just in no way a healthy functioning relationship after like the third time. So, you know, they're barely a healthy functioning relationship as it is, but they're able to figure it out. <laughs> um, what, where did you watch this episode on? Did you watch it on Netflix? Uh, yes. Did you get a weird preview for the rest of the season after this episode? Yeah, uh, I believe now somebody out there might be able to correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that this was due to the uh, Olympics that year. Oh, is there like they, a time delay? Let's see. There was like a October big, like a couple 8th. weeks. I remember being real unhappy about it at the time. 
Let's see. So October 8th. No, it came out the next week. The next episode was still on. Oh, okay. Okay. I know that later in the season, there is a break for, um, for the Olympics, for the winter Olympics of that year. Um, but yeah, we go from, uh, we go from, uh, episode 10 to 11. There's a good two month period in between there. Yeah. That must've been it then. Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe they're just saying, Hey, there's a lot more coming. Like get hype. Yeah. My, uh, my ripped copy, which, uh, you know, I'm a dirty, filthy pirate, whatever. I, I bought the Blu-rays, leave me alone. Um, my ripped copy <laughs> has, like, all the CD, CW, like, logo and shit at the bottom. And I thought it was just, like, something I just d- happened to be with this, like, with this airing. But, yeah, I want to talk about this preview a little bit because it's really fucking good. Like, Superstitious starts yeah. playing. Uh, it's really, really fucking great. And it just shows, like, all of this crazy stuff that's going to happen. Like, and we're going to get into it, but it shows, like, Dean is an old man. It shows them in a sitcom of some kind. It shows some sort of weird devil child. Like, it's a, it's a very good preview of, like, oh, fuck yeah, Supernatural's about to get lit. Yeah. Yeah. They're not messing around. They're not messing around. And we are back. This next episode that we're covering is I Believe the Children Are Our Future, written by Andrew Dabb and Daniel Laughlin, directed by Charles Beeson, released on October 15th, 2009. Sam and Dean investigate a series of murders that echo fairy tales and urban legend. Their probe leads them to an 11-year-old boy who's able to make everything he believes come true. Castiel thinks the lad is a threat and wants him eliminated. The lad is a threat. I did. I didn't know we were going to go play by play of the whole episode. The entire episode. I love these. Just completely spoiling this uh, and stuff, which is is really fun. The lad is a threat. The lad is a threat, Chris. I guess. All right, that's it for coverage on this episode. I think that that kind of takes care of that. Uh, <laughs> that's that's like that season thirteen script bot, right? <laughs> like <laughs> the, it's, that's going to be his next tweet. Is uh, the lad is a threat? Like, yep, that's totally. Um, so this episode, I have a complicated relationship with this episode because it's, it's entertaining. It's a, it's a fun watch and it has some really cool mythology stuff that is never followed up on ever again, as far as I'm aware. I, okay. So I I looked this up because I had heard some rumors of some stuff that was happening in the current season in season 12. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, maybe they're finally doing something with this character. Nope. Not at all. This is introduced in one episode and then completely goes away. Like this never gets brought up again, and it's it's such a weird thing. I don't think I have I have a weird history with the show with this episode as well, starting from like last week when I watched it, because I don't think it like fits up. I don't think it marries very well within the mythology of the show. I think they do some stuff here that's like just bizarre and weird. The thing that caused the thing is like super dark. Yeah, let's 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 talk about it. Like, let's talk because we've already said that there's a 11 year old boy who's able to make everything he believes come true, and that Castiel thinks the lad is a threat, which is my new Misfits album. So, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, like this this little boy is born of both demon and human, um, but it seems like there is no special thing to make this happen. So. Like, it just seems like any demon and any human could have made this happen at any point during the lifetime of, of like, the history of the world. And it should be, like, 15 or 16, or, like, maybe 15,000 of these dudes running around. It's immaculate conception, right? Like, but the opposite of immaculate? <laughs> like, demonic conception? 
this this woman gives birth to a half human half demon and like there's a birth scene and like it's kind of dark but yeah. but she wasn't like nothing happened to her to get her into this state it's like mirroring the bible but like the antichrist like that's what this whole thing i guess is supposed to be the antichrist um this woman just gives birth to a demon but but why does why is it supposed to be like lucifer like doing something because i don't know i think that i just don't know like the show goes out of the way uh castiel compares it to what you would know as uh, what you would know as the antichrist like this marriage of demon and, and human um like you know as a like just like christ was a a marriage of like god made flesh and humanity this is the opposite of that but then it also says it doesn't really have anything to do with lucifer and i like i don't know why because that would fix all of my issues with this dude number 1 um is if you made it if you made him just a direct like if lucifer himself had inhabited a vessel for you know 20 minutes and you know, somebody froze that sperm of that vessel, and then a demon later, forty-five years down the line, knowing the apocalypse was coming, or however many hundreds of years down the line, like made it so that this woman was impregnated by Lucifer sperm, and then they had this weird demon sperm Lucifer baby, and it was the Antichrist. Okay, I'm down. But like, if it's just any random demon, like, why aren't there hundreds of these? <laughs> like, what what is stopping th- anybody from doing this? Do you think of like an early version of this script had it being more along the lines of of kind of what you're talking about, but they thought maybe it was too dark? I have to imagine that's the case. Like I have to imagine that it's that they didn't want because they, they, they do they skirt this line of Christianity and stuff. We've talked about this before, where they get kind of right into the world of like actual Christianity, actual Christian mm-hmm. beliefs, but then they kind of pull themselves back from it. Like, you know, there's archangels, Michael is an archangel, there's a God, there are demons, there's a Lucifer, but it's all very fictionalized within the realm of supernatural. And I think having an actual Christ figure would set people a lot more on edge. If he just said, Hey, this is, this is a, cause I feel like that's also what the show is getting away from, because to my knowledge, they've never done an actual Christ figure as much as they fucked around with God and the angels. Mm-hmm. Like there's no there's no actual son of God, which like I don't even think anybody it's occurred to any of the characters in the show to ask the question, and I have to imagine that that's either from the network itself or set down from the showrunners of just saying like no we don't want to get involved with that we don't want to deal with it. It's like it uses like a Christian aesthetic, but it doesn't like really really get real with the Christianity. It, it's a fictionalized version of of a religion, uh, not even really a religion. It's just like a cosmic being. It's a fictionalized version of angels and of God. But it's not, it, it's just so different, even though it's drawing from that same mythology the same way that they draw Bloody Mary from Urban Legends. It's such its own fictional thing that I think, yeah, going going for a Christ figure would feel very weird. Um, because that's the, that's the specific, like, Christian thing right there. Um, but yeah, going, they have an Antichrist, but they don't want to have it be like, this woman was attacked by a demon or anything. And I'm certainly glad that they didn't. Um, but it just feels like why, why they did it in the first place. I don't even know. Like, why not just do a different episode? And that's to say, it's like, this is a good episode. This is enjoyable to watch from end to end, but just the lore reasons. It just, it raises some questions. And it doesn't bother answering them too. Like, like number one, let's, let's talk about how this demon doesn't even have a name in the show. Right. Like we've, all of our extremely important and powerful demons that I would I would say in our hierarchy that we've built that the show has built, 
are all named people. Like we have a Ruby, we have um, Azazel, Crowley, we have or not Crowley, Azazel, not Crowley yet, but uh, um, Alistair, Alistair. Like we have, we have like actual Lilith. Like we have actual demons that are inhabiting these bodies and then making them do things. And to 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 for me. To have an unnamed demon like possess this power of immaculate conception is really, really strange. You know what I think it bothers me about the, the most about this episode is the is the end of it because at the end of this episode, the kid just disappears and we literally never hear from him again. And if you want, if you want this episode to sit better with me, you don't leave that open. You have this kid basically self destruct. Like you have mm-hmm. this kid be so incredibly powerful and not know how to handle it that he just literally dissolves into thin air. And then if you want to 20 seasons down the line, be like, Oh yeah, that kid reconstituted himself. He's been floating around the universe as Adams. Now he's back and he's 20 years older. Like that's fine. Like you could do that. And I wouldn't care because it's, you know, the kid can literally do anything, but the fact that he just disappears and leaves and it literally never goes anywhere. Like none of the stuff that happens in this episode seemed to matter (laughs) at all. Like even less, even less than the Paris Hilton episode, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like that's going to have more ramifications on the, on the on the overall story than this episode is. The thing, the only things that I can really pull out, and again, I just have to keep saying, like, I enjoy watching this episode. It's it's entertaining. It's a good it, good monster of the week episode. But again, the way that it affects the lore, or the way that it should affect the lore, kind of sticks out a little bit. But the only things I can think of here are the parallels between uh, what even. What, what Cass is willing to do for this and what the boys are willing to do. Uh, it definitely, it draws a line there where, you know, Castiel, who's still not, he's, he's one of the good guys. I don't think anybody's doubting that Castiel is on the side of, of humanity, I guess, at this point, or on the side of, of fighting against this apocalypse thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so, so it shows that he's still, he's still not human. He's still not Sam or Dean. Not yet. You know, he, he's willing to just basically say, hey, we got to kill this kid because he's too dangerous to keep around. Um, so there's that. There's just drawing a line in the sand. Um, they have to come to some sort of understanding. Castillo, Castillo has to have this lesson almost. Um, or they have the boys have to sort of stand up to their ally, an angel. Because you can't have such a powerful ally and not have there be some sort of conflict there. So I appreciate that. Because Castillo's mm-hmm. always painted as such a good guy. Especially from, you know, season five on. Um, that Yeah, I think that's important. And then the other thing is what Sam talks about, and it's a little bit less important in here is talking about choice making the right choice you know we talked about this in season four with the ruguru episode i believe Mm -hmm. sam wanting to to believe that this guy could make the right choice even though he was a monster because as we know sam was a monster and he wanted to believe that he could make the right choice that he could resist the monster inside of him um and we see parallels of that again here where sam talking to this kid being like dude you have a choice you know, I didn't make the right choice. I think he says as much as in there somewhere. I realize we're not covering this in the traditional format, but no, um, we, and we didn't plan this at all. I, I want to say that too. Like we started talking about this, and all of this stuff just came out. Like we had no, we have not previously discussed this episode at all. <laughs> so yeah. it's podcasting for you. Um, mm-hmm. So so yeah, Sam is Sam is saying, you know, I failed when I was given power. I I failed. I couldn't use that power responsibly, not to go quoting Spider Man or anything, but like. This is this is sort of Sam trying to look at somebody else and saying, "You can do this. Like you can make the right choice here. I wasn't able to because I was seduced by my power, or however you want to look at it." Um, Sam fucked up, but he's telling this kid, "You know, you don't have to. Like 
you it's up to you it's not up to the angels it's not up to the demons it's not up to anybody but you what you do um and that if they had played into it more i feel they could have paid off really well um but other than that it just ends up feeling like some small character moments for sam and and, and for castiel in a way mm-hmm. i do i do like a lot of the stuff the build up to this like um because what, what essentially happens is that uh this kid whose name is Jesse, I think. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So this this kid, Jesse, um, has basically created like a a localized alternate reality where his craziest shit that he believes actually comes true. Yeah. So we get a, a, a series of hilarious and, and kind of weird scenes where, um, I say hilarious, the first scene is actually extremely gruesome with the babysitter. Yeah. Amber uh, Greer. Because- Die. Yeah, did you catch? Did you catch that? I'm to comment yeah. on it. Yeah, uh, yeah, totally. Uh, one, you know, one of the fam. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. This this babysitter, uh, her the chick kid that she's babysitting is an awful preteen boy and uh, puts uh, itching powder in her head. And because Jesse believes the itching powder actually works and it'll make you scratch your brain out, this chick scratches her brain out like she breaks off fingernails in her skull trying to get this out of her uh, out of mm-hmm. her body which is extraordinarily gruesome also there's a scene where uh obviously the chick has done this and is dead on the couch and the parents walk in and uh to i think dad says to his wife he says hey go ahead and go upstairs and get to bed i'll take amber home and i'm like that's a little creepy <laughs> like what are you doing <laughs> like putting your wife to bed and taking a babysitter home come on dude what are you doing so anyway as, uh, with all that like the lore stuff aside where I don't necessarily like where this goes. This is a really entertaining episode in the fact that it takes all of these, these myths, urban legends, again, a different kind of urban legend um, from when we were kids and, and makes them real. Uh, I, I assume that you kind of grew up on all the same stuff I did. I don't think our generations are that far apart, Jeremy, um, where they do, you know, the, the itching powder, the, the uh, electrocuting hand uh, buzzer thing. There's whoopee cushions. Um, Whoopee cushions, tooth fairy. tooth fairy. There's another one that I'm blanking on right now. Um, oh, the uh, his face got stuck like that. Uh, there's yep. the hairy palms situation, yep. mm-hmm, which is a great mm-hmm. scene uh, where Sam realizes that Dean has hairy palms, and he's like, "Dude, you know you could go blind from that too." <laughs> I want to talk about uh, how great Dean is in this episode because this you know, it, this is not necessarily a comedy episode, right? Like some serious shit is happening, but. Dean is is approaching all of this stuff in this kind of relaxed, fantastical way that is brilliant. Like mm-hmm. every t- like he when they find out about the uh, the 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 buzzer, the hand buzzer, uh, they they take it off the dude who has accidentally killed his roommate in the senior folk senior home, and uh, they decide to test it out on like a piece of ham, like a, a big chunk of ham. <laughs> they don't all of their like leather gear or their rubber gear, which. Why do y'all have rubber gear in the garage or in the trunk? I don't want to know. Uh, you know they get their they welding hats on. There. I know. Yeah, they got that. Uh, and then they, they they fry this piece of ham, and then like they're like, "Oh shit, it works!" And Sam is like, "I wonder what's going on." Da, 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 da. He's being such a straight person, and Dean is just like cutting the shit out of this ham with his knife and just eating the <laughs> hell out of it. And it's so great. Like e- Dean just chowing down on some ham because hey, same. I love me some fucking ham, y'all. For so sure. like, I would be doing the same. <laughs> Freshly cooked ham. What's up? Yeah, come on, at me on that. Uh, you think that the boys had to go to to Hunk Depot to get some of that uh that those supplies to uh, the rubber gloves and all that? Oh no, that that shit came directly from the Impala trunk. 
Okay, that that's the real Hunk Depot in the trunk. That's the real Hunk Depot is the trunk, yeah. Trunk Depot. That's where we need to go with that. <laughs> I, I kind of want to talk about uh, Dean believing sea monkeys are real and figuring it out that way. <laughs> that's that's always very good. Um, also, the, the scene where they, they finally meet Jesse and uh, they, they go to the house and Jesse is like the most like adult fucking child that they've ever seen. He like demands their yeah. ID. He like questions them about who they are. This whole thing's like, you can trust us. We're the authority. And he's like, uh, no, that's not, there's a <laughs> moment where, um, they walk into the kitchen and this little dude is like making some beans for himself. And, uh, Sam's like, what's that? He's like, it's called soup. You cook it. Or excuse me, not bean soup, but yeah, I just love him sassing Sam so much. Yeah. This is, so that's some of my favorite stuff is Sam being sassed, Sam just being out of his element. Um, mm-hmm. that always makes me laugh. They do, after they, after they meet this kid, they go and find the mom and the mom kind of lays out everything that happened to this kid. Um, we get this really, really great scene where she, she throws salt all over Sam and Dean. And it's like, wait, you're not yeah. demons. He's like, how the fuck do you know about demons? Yeah. Like, <laughs> which is really good. Um, I think we have a scene. Um, well, no, we're not at that yet. I'm jumping the gun here, but there's a scene where, where Cass sits on the whoopee cushion. And, yeah, uh, it's hilarious. Like the, Dean has been carrying around this most yeah. most of the episode. Yeah, the scene where he sits down, he's just looking at Dean the entire time. <laughs> that wasn't me. Like his very serious Caspiel voice. <laughs> I don't know how, and I, I've seen enough bloopers to know that they don't. But man, like how they do they not just laugh hysterically every time Castiel does something in a season? Because it's he's so ultra serious about it, and it's exactly what you want Kaz as an angel to be. But man, like I just can't imagine being a real person on set with this dude and having to take it with a straight <laughs> face. They've, uh, I think they've talked about that before. How he was like, "Oh shit!" Like I shouldn't have gone with this voice because now I just have to do it all the time. Yeah, like this was a bad choice from the get go. Um, I, I like how how this all ends up as well. Um, they go through a lot of drama to to get to the, this final kind of scene, and the final scene takes a good ten minutes of the episode, which I think is a pretty mm-hmm. hefty chunk of you know the forty four forty five that we get. Um, a demon, the demon that possessed her, uh, possessed the mom, is back and possesses the mom again, which is a super huge bummer for the mom. Uh, yeah. And then, as we've already talked about, we get this thing with Castiel, who says, like, this dude is too dangerous for his own good. We're, we're going to have to kill him. And, of course, Sam and Dean are, are not into killing children. Um, Thankfully. But this all this all culminates uh, at Jesse's house when Castiel arrives and tries to stab this kid with the uh, with Ruby's knife, by the way, which I find very mm-hmm. interesting. Because it's been established that Ruby's knife can only, you know, can kill anything, basically. But, like, not everything, right? Because the yeah. demon, like... Uh, was it Alistair that it couldn't kill? Like he he just kind of shrugged that it off. It couldn't kill Alistair, and it couldn't kill Castiel. Uh, yeah, and it could not kill Castiel. You're absolutely right. So, like, even though this demon is super, this this demon kid is super powerful, like the, the knife. Anyway, doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure the, angel blades are super commonplace yet. So I guess this is but, Cass's best option. But we've totally seen Cass with an angel blade. <laughs> We've like we must have right. <laughs> we did no. We we have like he when he rescued Sam and Dean from uh um oh who was Z- uh, Zachariah oh yeah at the at the uh, at the storage facility right, when he right, kicks right. all them dudes out he he stabs like four angels with the, with that angel blade. I was actually the only reason I remember is because I was surprised it comes up this early. I, th- I didn't think angel blades mm-hmm. came into it until like season six or seven. Anyway. Uh, Jesse makes Kaz into a little action figure, which is hilarious and it's cute. Yeah. 
and I want it. <laughs> where do I where do I go to glad find we were, the Kaz action figure? <laughs> I'm glad we were thinking the same thing on that. <laughs> yes. I'm sure it's on eBay for a thousand dollars right next to that coat that uh that leather jacket of Dean's that got stolen. But I still oh, yeah. I want the little I want the little figure. Uh an important moment here too is when um Dean and Sam show up right after this. Uh Dean sees this little action figure and Jesse asks him, Was that your friend? And Dean says, No, it's not. Mm-hmm. And I just want to call that out because at the end we're gonna we're gonna get some 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 good Dean cast moments that I, I want to talk about. Some juicy Dean cast moments, yeah, you gotta have them. You gotta. If only there was a better word than Dean and Kaz moments. Yeah, Dean and Castiel. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Yeah, we'll figure it hmm. out. We'll come up with something. Kaz Chester. I like Kaz Chester. That one's gonna Kaz stick, Chester. I think. That that's probably. I mean, it's so short that it has to stick around. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Dean, and I guess we need to rewind for a moment to, to kind of set this up, but Sam wants to tell this kid the truth, right? He wants to say like, Hey, mm-hmm. this is what's happening. You're in the apocalypse. We, we, this is how we're going to handle it. And Dean and Bobby or Dean and Kaz are both like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. So Dean proceeds <laughs> to lie to this dude and say like, Hey, you're an X-Man and we want to take you to Professor Xavier's mansion <laughs> and we want to train you to be a superhero so that you can go fight super villains and you could, you know, be a superhero and it's going to be dope. Uh, unfortunately, Demon Mom shows up and as we've learned from Lucifer this season, some of the best uh, things, some of the ways, the best ways that demons get inside your head is by telling the truth. And she yeah. just outlines everything. She's like, these people have been lying to you since they met you. They're garbage people. You know, you should hear the truth and I'm your mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, it's, it's interesting that going back to that, the whole choice thing where Sam wants to give this little kid a choice, but like, it, it's a little weird when you think about it. Like I, I was kind of into Dean's lie. Like the best way to convince a, an all powerful kid like that is to basically be like, you can be a superhero. We're going to train you to to do that so that you'll fight on the side of good. But it's still, you know, it's still Dean saying, let's use this kid, which is interesting. And it doesn't really seem like a, like a Dean thing, but I guess in the circumstances, he's like, yeah, we need to take everything that we can get. Where Sam is still not opposed to using the kid, but he wants to, like, he wants to let the kid choose and not, and not tri- trick him into thinking um, that he's a superhero or he's an X-Men or whatever. Uh, and I think a lot of that does still come down to Sam's guilt and all Sam's baggage that he just doesn't want. He doesn't want to see somebody else making the same mistakes that he did or be responsible mm-hmm. for more res- mistakes, I guess. Um, which is probably heavily informing everything he's saying to this kid. And it's going to be interesting because in next week's episode, we're going to, we're going to get to a similar situation where they encounter a, a, a being with significant power and Sam's going to have the opposite reaction. And I think that's very specifically because, uh, Sam looks at this kid as what he is, which is a kid. And he doesn't mm-hmm. want to use and abuse and like twist this kid's perception of the world just because they, you know, he wants to help the kid. He doesn't want to make the kid help themselves, right? To make the right. kid help right. the Winchesters. Um, so, like, that's, and I think that's a pretty important thing because that ties into all of Sam's like issues as a child. Like, he thinking himself mm-hmm. as a freak, not being given a chance to live, being forced into this war, this, this, this whole thing. Um, the demon sets up this interesting thing where they, he, the demon has Sam and Dean on the wall, kind of stuck up there as we often see these two. Uh, she refuses to really kind of hurt Sam so much, but she's taking quite a delight in hurting Dean. Uh, and she doesn't want to hurt Sam, obviously, because he's Lucifer's condom. Um, right. 
<laughs> and he, she's the demon is trying to convince this convince Jesse that you know she's the right one. Well, Sam starts talking, and I just love the way that they've directed this scene so that when the little boy wants Sam to talk, he just shuts the demon down and like shoves her into mm-hmm. a chair and then yeah. makes her shut up. Like it's very snappy and it's very quick and it makes it like it makes this kid scary as hell. Like it's it's mm-hmm. extremely frightening. Yeah, we, I think we we don't talk about the directing a lot, but that it works very well with this. Yeah, it's it's very good. Um, this is when Sam gets his opportunity to kind of like explain everything the way the world is, um, and it and it and it's successful, which I, I think is a testament to Sam. Like Sam convinces Jesse to like basically like shove this demon out of his mom and says like that mm-hmm. that 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 is your mom, but the de- thing inside it is not your mom, um, which I think is very very good. Um, and then kind of explains like basically like a crash course in like all of the Winchester history, which is just yeah. like, Oh, it was all pain and <laughs> suffering. It's so bad. It's so bad. I put a note in here and I'm glad I did because, uh, my note says to go look at the child's weaknesses on the wiki. And I don't remember what his weaknesses on the wiki page would have been that I would have had to. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, his weaknesses his... is human heart. His weaknesses is Lucifer's absence. <laughs> What? Jesse's powers were activated and strengthened when Lucifer was present on Earth. Okay. That's not as really as then. Yeah, I, it's just a really... Because I, 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 I just thought it was a funny... Like, his weakness is somebody not being there. It's funny. Yeah, interesting. God, this wiki stuff is hilarious. Biokinesis, conjuring, conversion, exorcism, terrakinesis. What is terrakinesis? There's some of this is made up. Whew. Terrakinesis. Oh, he caused a minor earthquake when he became angry. So I guess terrakinesis is oh, like... Oh, sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, he shoves the demon out of out of his mom shell, and they have the conversation. Uh, Dean asks him to, to put Kaz back and says, actually, he, he is my friend. And I want to talk about that for a minute, because I think it's a pretty big moment in the relationship between Kaz and Dean. Uh, in season five, we've seen these two grow closer and closer together. Um, in episode... Was it three? I think was the um, free to be you and me where him and where Dean and Cass go on their own adventures together. And he tries to get Cass laid and all of that. Like it's obvious that Dean does not like angels. He doesn't trust angels. He hardly trusts any supernatural being whatsoever. Uh, But he's almost despite himself becoming more and more close to Castiel. Like they're becoming Mm -hmm. friends. They're fighting on the common side. Like there may not necessarily be like, hanging out together all the time or anything, but he says like, you know, this actually, this dude is actually pretty important to me. He's actually my friend. Like he's actually seeing that relationship develop over time. I think is something really good. And just a small moment like this of, yeah. you know, him saying things, not my friend at first. And then saying, actually I'd be a real shit bag person. Like, can you please put him back? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like, I've always liked the small moments with, with beating Cass, uh, SCL stuff aside. Um, those are like the, those are the strongest moments. It's like, Dean has always had his family, but he's never really had a friend. Um, mm-hmm. Even even Bobby is is a father figure, and I've talked before about how I see Castiel as like a brother figure for Dean. But even if even if you change that, whether romantic or not, Dean has never he's never had a friend really. Um, so I think that that is kind of a really a big deal for him to to start to show that he cares about somebody outside of his immediate circle. Exactly. And this this is uh, summed up. Like we get, 
Jesse says he wants to go say goodbye to his parents, and then he just straight up disappears. And that's it. Yeah. Kaz is back. Kind of sad. And <laughs> it, it is kind of sad having to explain to this kid, like, hey, you can't bring your parents with you or anything. Like, you, they're going to be in trouble just like you are. Like, the best thing to do is to put yourself away from them. And uh, the kid's just like, fuck it. Then I put myself away from everybody. And he leaves. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's, yeah. He just leaves and he never comes back in Supernatural, ever. So, yep. it's a weird loose end. <laughs> I kept, like... This is one of those things that every season finale that I would watch, I'd be like, surely now is the time to get the, you know, reality-altering demon kid back and and maybe try to help him, but uh, it never comes up. Maybe that'll be the season, or the series finale of the show, is, uh... This kid comes back. back. He's back and he's a bad guy because the boys failed him. So, that was, um... That was was some chaotic coverage of that episode, but I, I think that was the best way for us to do it. It came naturally. Yeah. Yeah, that felt pretty natural. I do. We do probably need to talk about the the car wrap up uh, because Dean tells Sam like I feel bad for. Uh, I wish I could protect Jesse from like the actual truth and protect him from the world. And he says like sometimes I wish our dad hadn't told us the truth mm-hmm. because I'm just like picturing Dean like imagining what his life would have been like if he had never heard you know of the hunter's life or had never been brought up in that life and probably being pretty regretful for it. Like I could probably be a normal yeah. person that doesn't have to worry about the apocalypse. <laughs> and I think, I think Sam says me too. Um, yeah. Which is a, which is actually a turnaround from, from last season where they, when they met Adam and Sam was kind of like, I'm glad that that dad told us everything. Um, now, you know, shit is going off and, and we're, we're able to fight it. We're not, able, you know, we're not just sitting by blindly like this kid, Adam, um, but Sam's not on the warpath anymore. Uh, and neither is Dean either, really. Like, they're both fighting against the apocalypse. They both want to save the world. That's stopping Lucifer is, is kind of their mission, but they don't seem like, at least at this point in the series, like they're quite on the warpath like they were before. And maybe that's because they don't have it all figured out yet. But mm-hmm. it's just an interesting dynamic that they have. They're, they're both in a different place than they have been in past seasons. Season three for Dean, especially because he was, well, I'm going to die, so fuck it. And then um, <laughs> Sam, uh, Sam last season, just, you know, full on demon blood, juiced up, mm-hmm. bad guy. Um, so it's it's complicated. It, it, and the boys are in an interesting place right now. And this is, this is going to kind of, uh, th- th- this is it. This, these are these two episodes. And it's, it's a real weird mix that these two don't really feel like they have a huge effect on the main plot line, but still feel very tied to it in a way that's a, mm-hmm. that one magician's episode that I keep picking on. Right, <laughs> Sorry if you right. really like that episode, y'all I apologize, but like it just, it, these feel still, these feel like they're still connected to the main episode right. or the main plot. Because and, it, like you're saying his weakness, Jesse's weakness is Lucifer not being there, but you know, it just goes to show that this isn't the seven deadly sins. This isn't, any of the shit that they faced before this isn't Lilith. This is an entire season. This is like almost an entire show was built on, you know, retroactively, but built on the fact that uh, these demons were working to raise the Lucifer from hell. And to have him just be out there in a body, like just doing evil things, which we don't even know what mm-hmm. Lucifer is doing, um, which kind of makes it scarier. Um, but it isn't, it isn't just, okay, let's figure out how to kill the bad guy. Eventually. There's uh, effects like there. There's dramatic effects on the world around them. Last episode, we're seeing a pagan god 
being like, yeah, uh, all hell broke loose, so I'm going to live it up while I can because this isn't my apocalypse. And now we have um, this kid who was probably living a normal life up until Lucifer was risen from hell, uh, and now he's the Antichrist, or he has all these powers. You know, like, shit is, mm-hmm. th- there are effects. There is, there's stuff is spreading out. It isn't just Lucifer being evil or demons being evil or the angels trying to do this or that. Like, it's having a greater effect on the world. And I guess that even if they don't really hammer that home, that the idea of that is cool, that there is like, there's shit popping off because of Lucifer, because of the apocalypse. It's not, not just the apocalyptic figures, the horsemen and, and Lucifer. There's everything is kind of thrown into the air and everything's crazy. Yeah, this this is this is really good. We we saw this too with the um the scene where the free to be you and me to go back to that one where Sam finds these you know omens of the apocalypse and other hunters have to come and do their shit and he's and they're like oh shit man this is the apocalypse like we're busy we are real we could use your help out here <laughs> like we are this is a busy time to be a hunter like we are we are not taking vacay right now but you have you have assumed to be on a on a vacay. Um, I, I like this too. I, I'm kind of with you. I don't exactly remember if they keep this up till the end of the season or if they, if they drop this, I I have it in my memory that they keep this up. Like this is a a common trend for the next, you know, 20 or so episodes. So I'm looking forward to, to watching that. I like these two episodes, Chris. I know I was pretty hard on, uh, the second one because it doesn't tie into the lore, but I just want to stress too, like you said, like it's an extremely good episode. Like Dean, the comedy stuff with Dean making the stupid faces, um, you get like all of the, all of the weird st- ways that people get killed. You get that. We didn't even talk about the huge, burly, terrifying tooth fairy that rips the tooth, the guys, yeah. all of the guys' teeth out with a pair of pliers, but leaves it like forty dollars and change under the pillow when he does it. Um, <laughs> that dude, the guy that plays a tooth fairy, apparently comes back to the series in season nine. By the way, to play Hansel, which I'm <laughs> looking forward to. Um. So yeah, like this is a really, really good episode. I hate that I was, I was kind of um, harsh yes. on it, but it's just, it's an. It, it's an irritation to me the way that it was like all this stuff tied to the tied to the lore, and it feels but like it's like a it's um, like a retroactive irritation. Like you don't know it at the time. Yeah, and I guess that's almost spoilers, but it's like whatever. For anybody who, who who's watching it's, it, it is what it is. And it's it's one of those things where, like I mentioned, I kept waiting for this to come back up. Like I kept waiting for this this dangling thread all season long. I was like, for, for surely in the finale, Demon Kid's gonna pop back up in, in like a fucking Cyclops suit, and we're gonna see some shit. And it, it just like again spoilers, but it's it just it's never gonna happen. So I'm trying to I'm trying to help you out. Like it's just don't don't go through what I did in 2009. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I overall though, see, I really I like wanna, these two episodes. Yeah, me too. But I, I want to see a CW spinoff show uh, that takes place in season five of supernatural about this kid going off to fight demons as he grows up or just a spinoff series of supernatural or anything in supernatural set during this season. Cause the more we're talking about it, this seems like the most exciting season to be a hunter, you know, like, like other oh, hunters yeah. during the apocalypse, like other cool angsty guys who have things to mm-hmm. do or, or angsty ladies who have things to do. Uh, it would be cool to see other people operating within this time frame. Because it's so much more intense than really any of the others. Uh, I mean, I can't really remember everything that comes after this. But, you know, the apocalypse feels like a pretty big deal. It, it does. Like, I would see the adventures of Ellen, Joe, and Rufus, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, yeah. I would, I would watch that set during this season. Like, I would, I would totally, totally watch that. Because as we saw with those hunters who were asking Sam for help, like, it's all hands on deck. Like, everybody is all out on everything here. I had to. I'm looking up the guy that plays Rufus, by the way, because yep, yep, that was definitely him. He was in the new It movie, so <clears throat> <laughs> look look forward to that little cameo, everybody. 
let's wrap this up and get out of here, Chris. Uh, thank you, yeah. everybody, for listening. Thank you to our patrons for donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash monsteroftheweek.cool. You can get some cool stuff there, like access to the episodes early, some cool art from Chris. You can make us read fan fiction live on air, which is going to be super interesting. Go check out that website for all of that stuff. Chris, where are you at on Twitter? I'm at Local Bones on Twitter. You can see my glistening hunk sword if you go there. I don't know who coined that phrase, but yes. shout out to them. Yeah, yeah, I believe that is at penis in our Discord, which you can also get access to by being a Patreon member, which is a hell of a good time. So, yeah, come come at penis in our Discord. Um, I don't even I'm know JG what that Greer. means. I'm excited. I'm, uh, no, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a guy's name. <laughs> He's written into the show several times. I just changed his name. I'm a mod, so I can just change people's nicknames. And, um, yeah, I just changed it to at penis one day. So that was a lot of fun. Um I'm at JG Greer on Twitter. Uh, the, the podcast is MOTW Cast. Come talk to us on Twitter. Come uh, leave an iTunes review because it helps us out. Tell your friends about the show, which also helps us out. But more importantly, just keep listening. We love you all. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye, guys. Stop sending me emails. How did I get? I get a lot of emails from Square Enix too. Jesus Christ! Settle down, please. Something about something recently has happened that where it just unsubscribe. Yes, get out of here, Square. <laughs> Find someone that cares about your stuff. Change subscription status. Oh, this is weird. Somehow I'm subscribed to both Tomb Raider and Hitman. Have you seen this? The preferences that they have? Like, they could they could subscribe uh, to marking communication, and it's like, your preferences. No. <laughs> Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest, Tomb Raider, Kingdom Hearts, Hitman, JRPG genre. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> now you're speaking my language. <laughs> now we're just gonna, we're just gonna turn that off all the way. I don't need, I don't need any of this business. They have any other sections, like, uh, Vor, or, uh, <laughs> whatever your, whatever your kink is. So you can get emails specifically about that. Well, thanks for hooking it up. Cut down my Googling time. How's your weekend been? It's okay. I had to go to that wedding. Yeah, how was that? um, It was alright. It was just a lot of driving, because it is a state away. Um, So, wait. Which I guess... Hold on. Because okay. how far is a state away? Like, what did, what was your drive time or your your total mileage? It was like an hour and a half, which I guess isn't that bad, right? Oh no, yeah, I do I do that on the day. I drove four hours today. Just yeah, to, that's a that's a whole lot of driving. Just to let you know where I am in, in, in this world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, you know, it was just an above average drive time. Not, I guess, not a long drive. Uh, but no, it was fine. Um, because I thought it would be really weird, like meeting her entire family all at the same time. I mean, I've met some of them, but mm. um, but it really was, it wasn't it wasn't that weird. I did get pretty drunk, though. Um, you sounded you sounded and like it takes talent to sound drunk over a text message, but you yeah. sounded like you were like I am hammered and I'm finally being taken home, which made me think that you had been drunk for a while. I had been drunk for for a very long time that day. I think open bar, you know, for the first hour at this wedding. Mm-hmm. So I thought. You know what, Chris? You need to take advantage of this, <laughs> uh, and I did. Um, it was good. It was good being drunk. It was good just being just just fucking drunk.
Autumn and I um, are going through a weird thing right now, and this is going to sound way worse than it is. So just give me a second. But uh, we're we're sleeping in different beds. She's had um, she's had some back issues, and we're trying to rule out our if it's our mattress or not. Um, so. <laughs> Like we've been married, married the lead on that one. <laughs> yeah, really. Been married. We've been married a long time, and like most of the nights in between that, outside of like the six months we spent while I was down in Louisiana and she was back in Phoenix, um, have been like you know sleeping in the bed together because that's what couples mm-hmm. do, right? Uh, sure. So we have. I don't know. I don't know. Jess makes me sleep on the floor, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> that does not surprise me. <laughs> she's she's gonna let uh, what's her dog's name? Brew. Brew sleep in the bed yeah. with her, and then you sleep on the floor. That's that seems about accurate. <laughs> Um, so we, we, we finished this bedroom and we have like a little guest bedroom in here where my office is and it's just across the hall from our master bedroom. So we put the dog gate up so that the dogs can't go into the rest of the house, but we keep the two doors open so we can like talk to one another. But it's been just mm-hmm. the weirdest thing sleeping in two different beds, man. Like, I feel like it doesn't even feel like a 1950s thing because we're not like in the same room in two different beds. We're just in two different right. rooms. It's very weird. Does it feel like you're on like like a weird vacation or something? Like you're staying at somebody else's house? Kind of. Yeah. Like, it, it's just like I keep like you know, reaching over and mm-hmm. stuff and like, mm-hmm. you know, rolling over and expecting her, for her to be there or whatever. And it's just, it's just, it's, she's not, she's left. Yeah. Me. I'm sad. That's- I'm, I'm sleeping <laughs> in my race car bed. <laughs> yeah. Um, Griffin McElroy mentioned doing something in the, oops, I went to monster of the com. Where does that go? Your number one guide for comic conventions, golf courses, equipment, tech, and more. That's weird. What in the sweet Jesus fuck is this shit? Oh, it's somebody's blog, okay. The bride and groom came out too. The Game of Thrones theme at that wedding. I was like, sweet idea, but that's got to be a bad sign. That is not a good thing to do, y'all. What are you doing? <laughs> Have you not seen like what happens to everybody on that show? Like, name one, they, they name one happy person. Yeah. yeah, no. It's not good. <laughs> Listening hunk sword. You missed that. I posted the... Uh, you were gone all weekend, so we were having a really good time in the Discord, but I was... Uh, I put that picture of you holding the sword like straight up, kind of the the tall mm-hmm. one. And I oh, said, yeah. we, "We really got to figure out something to to Photoshop this on." And somebody said, "Well, <laughs> you know, D- Dean is the Michael sword. He might as well just Photoshop Dean on the hilt." <laughs> somebody called that the glistening hunk sword. And I was like, "Stolen!" Oh my god, how did I miss this? So bad. <laughs> uh, the Discord is a good place. I don't know, man. You said you killed him. (laughs) You said you killed him. I don't know why. It was two minutes into the call. (laughs) That was a weird moment. Two minutes into the call, you told her you killed a man. (laughs) We gotta get back on our grind, man. What do you mean? I don't know. I don't, know what I, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? We've been doing all I know a is we've been we we've, we've been, all I know we is that I feel <laughs> I just feel so much better now that that phone call is over that I like I feel like I'm hot. You bouncing a tennis ball? No, that's just me. I'm just dropping a beat. Oh, for sure.
You know what's really funny was uh, rewatching Game of Thrones, and there's a scene where um, Stannis corrects Davos's grammar. Mm-hmm. He says mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I have you know two less fewer. fingers," and he says, mm-hmm. two fewer." And just like noticing that detail, I was like, "That's actually a really, really great characterization detail." Like sometimes Game of Thrones doesn't do it right. But that they like nailed it right there. I was like, he's just the type of dude who, even though they're talking about like giving birth to a demon baby, um, <laughs> and like killing his brother, he's still out here correcting this dude's grammar. Um, there's a scene in either this season, the most recent season, or the season before, where Devas corrects somebody else on the less and fewer thing too, which is a really dope. Oh, really? Through line, yeah. That's awesome. I'm really like rewatching it. I'm seeing like how imperfect this show is um have you watched any of it more than like the first time yeah we did a rewatch up to um season because season seven just finished so we rewatched mm-hmm. it up to season six okay uh, before season six was coming out and then watched all of season six and then did not go back we just watched like a 10 minute previously on thing before starting season seven okay so i've watched Cause... the whole thing twice and probably parts of season one three times all right yeah, this is my first full rewatch, so like I don't even know if I've seen season two more than once, like any episode in it. I'm not I can't remember. But the whole thing with like Theon going over and just like abandoning Rob immediately mm-hmm. felt a lot more like beleaguered in the in the book and in uh the first time I'm watching the show, because it's like week to week. You're watching him slowly be like a total uh sucker to all the shit his dad is telling him. Um, and you can like, it make the pull, push and pull for, for Theon makes a lot more sense when you're watching it week to week. But when you're watching it at home, like three hours, it's like maybe 15, 20 minutes of screen time where he just is like, oh yeah, fuck Rob, I'm going to do what my dad wants me to do. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff. It's like, like oh, that. okay. Like they yeah. spend, the, they spend like a good four or five hours breaking that dude down on the show because, um, the show was so cons- consumed with this idea that it had to like check in on all of these characters that it it stretched these seasons out and stretched these arcs out for so fucking long. Like they constantly check in with Theon when he's being reduced to, to reek and like in the book, that's a surprise, right? Yeah. Um, like it's, yeah. it's, it's totally, you're totally taken aback when you realize what's happened. And in, in, it's in to make show, us hate Ramsey, I guess, but abs- yeah, and, and it is, but like, it just takes forever. I love that we're having a, uh, like a conversation as if this is Monster of the Week about sure. Game of Thrones right now. <laughs> uh uh-huh, totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm involved in some Twin Peaks conversation with Dylan and Nick. No one really loves it. Yeah, same. If I thought I was smart enough, I'd want to do a... Twin Peaks podcast? Twin Peaks podcast. Click to see spoiler. Hmm. When I think about the Twin Peaks final scenes, I believe that the world Cooper finds himself in is dreamed into existence by Judy as a last. Oh, this, these people are comparing. Interesting, comparing Twin Peaks, the last episodes of Twin Peaks, to Bloodborne. <laughs> of course they are. Of course they are. I don't know if you saw that conversation going back and forth. Uh, somebody. I did. I've just. I haven't watched the season, so I've just kind of yeah. like ignored it someone linked me a thing where you could watch the last two like simultaneously and it would make more sense than watching them by themselves. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like they they, they made an argument for, let me see if I can find it. It'll take me a little while. Like watching the episodes side by side. Yeah. Yeah. Or I think they said like on top of each other or whatever. 
That's very strange, but that's very David Lynch, so. Singing that Final Fantasy music? <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I'd never do that. Here, I'll share that link. Of course, if you haven't watched it, you may not want to actually watch that. Yeah, I don't probably know. don't. Um, you enjoying the Adventure Zone? I am, very much. Um, I just finished the... I think I'm in the process of finishing the first like adventure. So mm-hmm. I'm on like episode six. Um, and they've... I think they, they are fighting like the fire goblin or whatever. <laughs> the <Yeah>. thing. <laughs> um, so like they're in the midst of, of all of that. It's it's extremely funny. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. It makes me... Just like listening to... I don't know if you ever listened to a lot of Mid Bam back in the day. Um, I'm I'm kind of new to a lot of their stuff now, but but I got you. Um, like they're just they're just so funny that they make you sick, and also Travis is bad. That's kind of how I feel oh. about them. Um, <laughs> and and Travis is made good by the presence of his father. So uh, now that Daddy uh, McElroy is in there, it's I think it it works really really well. And it's just I think I texted you this today. Like it's just so fucking sickening how good Griffin is. Like he's never done this before, mm-hmm. and he's just good at it. And that's pisses me off. Like I wouldn't be that good at this if he if I just started it. No. Um. Yeah, he dude puts a lot of effort into it. The further it goes the the more reliant it is on his narrative mm-hmm. than on like the wackiness. I mean, that's like real late in the game. I didn't like it as much then. It didn't reduce itself in quality at all. Like it's still really good, and like I think that it's a it's a journey well worth going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the charm from the beginning changes to something else, which you'll have to form your own opinion on that because I feel like I'm in the minority on that. Most people like love where it goes. No, I've heard that. Like, I've heard that um, it's it gets to a more serious place, and it's mm-hmm. really, really good that they're treating the story seriously and that they're having like this serious, like role playing moment. But it's it loses some of the humor and the the interest that the yeah. first episodes had. And I'm I'm pretty. But okay it was with still that, worth, so. it was worth finishing definitely. Yeah. And then they released a live episode today, mm-hmm. and uh, holy I've heard shit, that's hysterical, yeah. I was, like, fucked up at work about it. Like, I couldn't... I'm just sitting there. People kept walking by. And I was like, they probably think that I'm having an allergic reaction. There's just tears <laughs> in my eyes and my face is contorted. Because I didn't want to laugh out loud at my desk. But, yeah, yeah. it was uh, it was killing me. Uh, it's, it's a shame that you just told the whole long story and you're basically going to have to cut all of it out. Yeah, it's a shame. Totally a shame. <laughs> you can cut me in saying, I'm a big boy, a few times. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm a big boy. <laughs> Me, I'm um, a big boy. Those are your three you tracks you can loop now. Yes. Yeah. I'm gonna be like Jake. Did you hear that four song that Jake made? No. Seriously? No. I I feel like I haven't been like on Twitter enough because you know I bought a sword and I don't know if you saw that. So. Like, <laughs> <laughs> What does that have to do with you being on Twitter? So, you know, just for, like, getting ready for battle. <laughs> so, <laughs> just admiring it at lunch. <laughs> so you just don't... Oh, my God. I'm just spending a lot of time looking at it. Uh, so, the sword, uh, that's like the Lord of the Rings sword. Um, mm-hmm. 
when we were in like middle school, maybe Steve got that as like a birthday gift. He got like a knockoff version of it. Not, no, not a knockoff version. It's not. We figured it out. He got Narsil, which is like the like the first version of the sword to get some real Lord of the Rings nerdy shit on you. Um, so it doesn't have like the elven writing on it or whatever. Um, so he got that one, and then I got this is Anduril, which is the fancy one that they like remake with the writing on it. Mm-hmm. But that one is always way more expensive. And everywhere on Amazon, it was uh, almost two hundred bucks. And then the sheath, like the metal sheath that it goes with, is sold separately, and it also was usually over two hundred dollars. And I won a bid for it uh, on eBay. I just like I I put in my bid and was like, oh wow, that was a terrible idea. I shouldn't be bidding on a sword. Uh, <laughs> this was not a great idea. But then as like as like it was like eight days away from like when the thing thing expired, and then like as time went on, I kept I kept like checking it. I was like, nobody else has bid on this thing. I mean, am I actually, actually going to get the sword? And then first I was like, oh no, like, I'm going to have to pay for the sword. But then I was like, I'm going to have a fucking oh, yes. sweet ass motherfucking sword. <laughs> and it came and I was like, oh, it's bigger than anything I could have imagined. Uh, I'm going to listen to this fucking Vor song after we record a podcast. No, 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 do it, do it right now. Oh my God. I love Vor. Mmm. Vor me, daddy. Vor me, daddy. Mmm. For me, daddy. Mm. For me, daddy. For me, daddy. So for, 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 for me, daddy. Mm. I love for, for, for. I love for, for, for. I love for, I love for. Mm. For me, daddy. Oh, I'm done. I couldn't hear anything that you said during it because it was very so loud. loud. It was incredibly loud. That's okay. It'll sound great on the on the mic, so don't worry about it. Nikki, please. For me, daddy. I wanted it to be something that, like, if you have a if a cork board, you would want to stick it on there. You know, exactly. you want to yeah mm-hmm. something that's like funny enough and not like ridiculous or like. I'm not going to put any pressure on you, but you need to uh, make it good enough because it's definitely going to be on the side of my refrigerator. So, okay, okay, so that's 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 the level of quality you need to be at. Which right now, I'll, like, to... I'll take a picture of the side of my refrigerator. Get you a, a good baseline to go on. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so I'll, I'll get to work on the, on, <laughs> the random on wedding invitations and... <laughs> and Christmas cards that are still on there for Dude, uh, most a year later. <laughs> my fucking parents' fridge is just all pictures of other people, and I'm getting a little bit offended at this point. It's like, like I was looking at, I don't know when it was, like last weekend or something. And it's like pictures of my sister's goddamn boyfriend, but no pictures of me. Yep. What is up with that? I went to my dad's house and uh, on my dad and stepmom's refrigerator, it is covered with pictures. And I'm looking through it. I'm like, I know who all these people are, but motherfucker, I'm blood. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> like, you I'm, know what I'm going to do? I'm a blood relation. You're going to bring your own picture over there and stick it on the refrigerator, aren't you? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send that picture of me and my fucking sword to them. No, don't send it to him, Chris. Print it out and bring it over there. Put it in the refrigerator yourself. That's the way you do it. Wouldn't it be better? Yeah, that's true. I put that shit in the mail. (laughs) Yo. What's up? And if he was a chick, he'd be called Abraham Lincoln. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) If he was an archangel, he'd be called. Gabriel Lincoln. Gabraham okay. Lincoln. Okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. If he was a wrestler, he'd be Kayfabe Abraham Lincoln? Does that work? 
I don't get that. I don't get that one. Okay, never mind. I don't get wrestling. So <laughs> I just know that kayfabe is a word. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. <clears throat> hey, what does milkshake duck mean? Like, well, I, I get, the, I get it now. I like, I know the context of it. Have you seen but, the like, tweet? What is it? Uh, I I don't think I've seen the original tweet. Like I knew what you okay. were talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about when you yeah, said it, but I don't yeah. know what the word like. What is? Where did that come from? Let me show you the tweet, which I'll also have to put in the show notes now. So, like I was pretty confused for like the first like couple days I saw like getting thrown around. You know, I figured it out through context, but like then he used it again today, and I was like, wait, hold on. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's why when um, uh, what was the turn? What was the like the quickest turn in history? Oh, and during E three, when there was that um like Blade Runner esque looking side scrolling game, and everybody was like, "Holy shit!" And then somebody was like, "Hey, everybody, that guy's like super misogynistic. <laughs> like yeah. the whole game is based on like, what if dudes didn't get laid and had to convince women that they should get laid all the time? <laughs> like, oh, it was like, weird... what if what if feminism like." One, yeah, and it was a post-apocalyptic yeah. future after feminism. One, that's what it was. Yeah, uh, fucking idiots. I hate All right, the uh, you want to talk about hunks instead? <laughs> I do, I do. Let's get into it. <clears throat> uh, speaking of Discord, um, Ian would like me to tell you that. My favorite episode of Sword Art Online is the one where Kurito and Asuna adopt the computer simulation girl. <laughs> Tell him that it is the, the purest. Excuse me. Uh, it is the purest parent-child relationship you've ever seen on TV or in any media or indeed in your wildest imagination. Man, man, I came back to I. Uh, I didn't watch anime for many minutes, and my friend. Was telling me, hey, there's this show. It's called Sword Art Online. It's really, it's really popular, and it's kind of like Dot Hack. I knew I liked Dot Hack a lot, so I was like, all right, yeah, man, I'll check it out with you. Whatever. So we watched a couple episodes, and I thought, oh, people trapped inside of a video game. Like, I'm, I'm down with this concept. Hadn't watched a lot of anime in that time, so it, it wasn't like super ha- whatever overdone to me. And I watched the first like ten episodes, and I was like, okay. There's a couple of little like weird things in there, like the thing that he's talking about, Ian. Um. But whatever, for the most part, I was just kind of able to like brush over it, watching it, and then as soon as it gets into like the second arc, like episode one, I was like, "This is slimy and gross and really, really weird <laughs> and off-putting." Is it really that bad? And it's because it's it's really that bad because it's not super intense. It's not like actively awful or like slimy and gross for the sake of being awful, slimy and gross. It's still tending to be really normal, but it's like. The, the girl he's talking about, Asuna, whatever, it's not like she's exactly a feminist icon, but she is a capable female in the show who can do her own thing, and then she falls in love and turns into a pile of, like, dough. Just can't fucking do anything. And then she is literally just a damsel in distress who moans and cries and is, sits in a sexual position and waits to be saved from a literal cage. And then the main character starts playing a game with his little sister, who is actually his cousin, but she's in love with him, and she's drawn super, super sexually. And her character is just like spilling out all the time, oh, all over him. She's just in love with her brother, and it's really weird. And all of it just became this big, messy, like uncomfortable nonsense. And I like just had to stop watching it immediately. 
it just went from like being like, okay, this is probably there's probably some shit here that's not the best, but whatever, you know, I can tolerate it. To just immediately feeling literally grossed out. I wasn't on like the internet for anybody to tell me that, you know, I I wasn't basing that on anybody else's opinion. I just felt too uncomfortable to keep watching it. Which is not something that happens to me a, a ton, but with that, I got skeeved out real quick. It, it's always that like that mid level stuff. Like I like uh, I like Dragon Ball and stuff like that because I grew up on on the shows, uh, like the Shonen stuff. You know, samurai fighting. It's just like dumb cartoons. You know, it's the same like like X Men. It's just the same kind of thing. And it's like I love it in that way, and like I have a lot of affection for you know those types of stories and stuff. But it's okay because they're like it's a nostalgia thing, and a lot of that's tailored to to younger people, and it's just like fine. They often have really positive messages, and I still enjoy it now. But then there's like that mid tier shit that it's just like, it's like it's it's pervy, but also just like really mature. And I don't know, it, anime is just weird sometimes. Uh, like I like Berserk a lot, but even Berserk is like has a lot of awful shit in it. Like there's rape in Berserk, and like that's not always fun, and it's not played as anything not awful. Like it's. It's but it's prevalent, not prevalent, but it like once it happens to a character, it doesn't just like leave that character alone. Like that something just happens and then you live with it. Like it's something that affects the character forever. Um, so like in that, it's dark and it's kind of not safe. You know, it's not. It's it's just fucked up, and some people might just say like, "Fuck that!" Like I'm not interested in it whatsoever. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, and it's fucked up. 